name's Micah McCaw. My name's Jordan McCaw. And together, in unified marriage, we host the... McCaw. Pod. Cast Universe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we exist to prove people wrong. When they say sequels are, are never, never better, better than, than the, the originals. originals. And today, we are in the throes of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. We have watched our fifth Star Wars film. Yes, we have. And that is Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. Quite the enticing title. Yeah. Um, something that happens very late in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, first of all, Jordan, how do you feel we're about halfway with Star Wars? Yeah. How are you feeling about that? As, as this was a series you were a little trepidatious about. I feel neutral, I think, about it. Yes. Yes, neutral. How do you feel? I feel good. I feel good. I mean, uh, I I do believe from my current, my previous watch throughs of everything, we are through the worst of it. Yeah. Um, I think I think it, it's going to get more complicated to talk about some of my feelings. Yeah. But I think on an, a more objective, like movie making level. Uh, it gets a lot better from yes, here. Yes, I know. I, it is. It's nice to know that there are good things to look forward to. Yeah, but um, yeah. So here we are, the middle of the prequel trilogy. The yep. the second chapter. This is where, you know, if it, if it was following suit with any of the other, if the previous uh, trilogy, this would be the best one, the darker one. Yeah, but this is pretty light. Pretty not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty not good. I do think I like it better than the first one, though. Wow. I know. Crazy. That's crazy. I think an insane opinion. <laughs> I know, but I think I do. Yeah. It's wild. Well, so I think this is like head and shoulders worse than Phantom Menace, like in pretty much every way. Um, but there's more. So, okay, but this is how I feel about okay, it. Okay. I'm going to cut you off early. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Phantom Menace was so boring. And yes. that's what made it so frustrating for me. This movie is still pretty boring. Mm-hmm. But they're making the weirdest choices. It's a love story. They're, they're making the weirdest choices. And I'm frustrated for those reasons. But but at the same time, it's like I guess at least they're doing something. Is how I, I think is okay. why it's a little bit better than the other movie for me. Uh huh. But gosh, I thought this was the one. I, I always, for some reason, uh-huh. I always think Count Dooku, Dooku, yeah, Dooku, yeah, is uh, the robot with a heart. Oh, General Grievous. General Grievous. I don't know why. I just think for some reason Count Dooku sounds like. Whatever that character uh-huh. is. Um, so whenever Christopher Lee pops up, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. And like pretty much the and most of the scenes before the battles and the Roman Coliseum thing, but the scenes on that planet, I didn't remember it. a single thing. Yeah. Which is crazy because as I've said before, I've seen these movies a million times, yeah, yeah. but I cannot get a grasp. And I think it's because they're so boring. Uh-huh. For th- for this trilogy, yeah. Um, so can I explain my yeah. why? I mean, I'm going to get more into the details as we go along. But I 
I think that there's there's such a hype for Phantom Menace, so I think it kind of wrongly gets chosen as the worst because it comes off of such high movies, mm-hmm. and it's such a huge dip, and it is kind of boring, and, and Jar Jar is, like, just so bad. Mm-hmm. You know, see our last week's episode. Um, but I think this one, on just, like, every writing level, doesn't work, and I think this movie is so ugly that that i would rather watch phantom menace because what what i do and don't like about the movie doesn't matter i think it's objectively a well shot movie and it looks good besides like select you know Mm -hmm. things that have aged but the movie looks great Mm -hmm. this movie looks terrible like Mm -hmm. the whole movie it is it's awful and i'm gonna explain why and i i get it so, because you know, part of part of what I wanted to do with this series is I wanted to put ourselves in the mind frame of when these movies came out, and I wanted to, I wanted to to maybe go a little bit away from the what I think a kind of boring take is that like George Lucas just did CGI and that's why they suck. Oh yeah, I want to explore a little bit more than that, and so. I think, but yes, the writing and the way this movie looks really put this like well below Phantom Menace. Like it's no contest for me. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I I think this is easily the worst Star Wars movie. Okay. Um, but I mean, we'll see as we go along. Maybe that'll change. Yeah. But do you? Can you tell me about your experience with it before tonight? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I or did see night? this one in theaters. Um, uh-huh. and this is the one where while watching the movie, two people rose before us were fighting with lightsabers i'm assuming fun. during the battle scenes yeah and as a kid it was just like the most fun thing i oh, loved yeah. it so much yeah and i distinctly for some reason remember like the last scene with the them getting married and the hand really <laughs> i don't know why it's like burned in my memory but um it's funny because as we've been watching these you've been really pointing out the hand stuff a lot i don't know why it's just that's the one thing that stayed with me with these movies but um yeah so loved it yeah as a kid probably as a kid was disappointed that there wasn't enough jar jar yeah i truly i would imagine that happened to me as well yeah yeah And, and it's like how come he's so serious yeah in this one yeah um when I was a kid, definitely saw it in theaters. I don't remember the exact experience. But the, as a kid, I'm like, this is as good as Phantom Menace. Actually, it's better than Phantom Menace. This is probably the best Star Wars movie. I'm sure I was thinking those things. Yeah. Um, And I watched it all the time. And then I remember when you and I did our great rewatch of all of them, um, I think in anticipation of Rogue One or The mm-hmm. Last Jedi or or one of the one of the movies... Um, I think that was the first time I watched it and I was like, oh, this is bad. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I think even when you and I were watching it, you were kind of complaining about Phantom Menace. And I was like, yeah, but Attack of the Clones really good. Like some of the CGs dated, but it's a cool movie. And then I was watching it and I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? You grew up. Yeah, it's, it is. It's sad. <laughs> it's sad to grow up sometimes i know i think i'm th- through this series i'm kind of putting to bed my childhood yeah um and that's a little bit tough yeah we don't need to get into that we got into it last episode <laughs> but um with wetting our pants and sucking our thumbs 
That's right. We <laughs> talked about that on mic, and people have heard that by now. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. And they've probably texted me about it, and I forgot that we said it. Yep. No, boy. Okay, well, I'll look forward to that, I guess. Um, so, yes, now let's go back, unless we have any more table setting. Should we dive into it? Let's do it. Okay. So, Phantom Menace comes out in 99, and Lucas hears the response from the movie, and he is much more hesitant to write this movie. Mm-hmm. And he keeps kind of putting it off, is the... uh. What, I, I, that's a little creative liberties I'm taking there, but I think he's kind of putting it off. Mm-hmm. And so he had to enlist the help of another screenwriter, Jonathan Hales, who he had worked with on Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Oh, okay. And they finished the shooting script one week before filming. <sighs> now... Well, you know what? That probably happens every day. You know, that, I don't know if that's anything to sneeze at. Yes, yes, but you are dealing with a very intricate yeah, plot. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're dealing with yeah. A, I guess shooting script, not just re- simple rewrites or something. Yeah, which happened during production. Right, right. But, yeah, but you're dealing with like this huge galactic political thing. Yeah, a, a romance and a mystery, which are like three yeah. hard things to write. Seriously, and like. I know that I've admitted on this podcast more than a couple times that when it comes to nitty gritty things, sometimes it is just hard to pay attention to that, yeah. to the, to the details when I think what I'm going to more for a story is the characters yeah, and the story itself. And these movies are ultimately for kids and children at heart and they just make them so complicated and I don't That's care. That's what's so it's confusing. So boring. That's what's really confusing. Yeah. Uh, you know, hiding behind the pillar of I made these for kids, but then they have all this intense stuff about republics and democracy is a little like and, you, you can't you can't blame all the bad things on you made it for kids, but then also have all this adult stuff in it. I know. You know, um, uh, I should address just because it's funny. Yeah. Micah and I fought a lot uh, during watching this movie. Because early on, like very early on in the movie, uh, <laughs> yeah. when they're in the chancellor's office, um, they there's this dude with who's blue with these like crazy horns like tusks. or tusks. He's so cool. And very I said, cool. that guy rocks. And I probably said something like, I want more of that guy. Uh-huh. He's so cool. And then you're like, that's uh, Kit Fisto. And I said, oh, really? And we continued on with the movie, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, we get to uh, the Coliseum, which turns into a battlefield. And there's this green dude with tentacles or whatever on his head. And I was like, no, I think that's him. Because big recommend on Blank Check, which I know we talk about a lot. There is a specific episode with Chris Gethard and Chris Gethard talks about his favorite star wars character Kit and Fisto. he rants for like 20 minutes and it about is one of Kit the best Fisto. it's one of the best podcasting moments in history it's so funny B- big listen uh big recommendation to listen um 
And I th- I remember like, oh, I think it is the green guy because I definitely looked it up while listening to that because I yeah. wanted, like, if he's as cool as he's describing, I want to see it. And he's cool. So when I saw him on the battlefield, I was like, isn't that Kit Fisto? And you were like, yeah, of course it is. We, like, we've already talked about it. And I'm like, that's not who I was talking about. Mike and I were fighting a lot about the scene because we had basically the movie ended and we had to rewind to find the scene because yeah, like prove the, each other wrong. And it turned out we were both right. Right. Because I know that this probably actually didn't make any sense to anyone, Yeah, but there's a scene at the beginning where the Jedi are talking to Palpatine and Kit Fisto's in the background. And for I, half, a, half not, a second. Not even yeah. half a second. But for some reason I thought, not for some reason, because he's cool looking. When you said, Oh, that guy's cool. I was like, that's Kit Fisto. Yeah. But then when we rewound you you were saying like he wasn't even in that scene and then it turns out he was but the shot that you said he was cool was like way after they showed him this is just a lesson that in marriage (laughs) you sometimes you're gonna be wrong sometimes you're gonna be right sometimes you're both gonna be right and it kind of hurts that you're both right because you wanted to kind of be like i told you yeah but we both were like yeah okay you're right i'm right really so, tested our marriage this movie <laughs> talk about attack of the clones um so the animators were the ones that pitched to george lucas doing yoda cg oh okay which i found very interesting there's a there's a another really good documentary it's not quite as good as the um, I, I didn't get to watching it oh that's okay uh it's not quite a, it, because it's not quite as good i wasn't like you have to yeah. watch this but it's it's called from puppets to pixels and it explores how, you know, they are making this huge technological leap in film uh, making. And pretty much all of this documentary is like people just sitting at computers animating stuff. Yeah. Now, there is plenty of on-location stuff, but I, I heard one of the actors say something like, I think there's one or two shots in the whole movie that don't have special effects in them. Wow. So, you know, this this is like, uh, well, it's so hard to talk about. I, I think this movie is to blame for pretty much the next 20 years. Yeah. In in good or bad. Yeah. As I, I think I said that with Phantom Menace, but this one I think is like the linchpin moment. Yeah. So having said all that, though, the animators are like, hey, we think we can do Yoda. And so they present it to him. And and it's just there's just this is kind of is it that of, same guy from the first documentary, who was like a VFX guy? Uh, I think this was a different guy. Okay. Um, but uh, it's just this kind of famous last words moment. Sure. Where where the animator says, "We're gonna pitch it to George," and quote, "Hopefully he'll go for it." End quote. Yeah. And it's like, oh, he goes for it. Yeah. Um, there's another scene like in Phantom Menace. When he refers to Jar Jar as the key, yeah, he refers to Dexter just Jex, excuse me, Dexter Jexter as the key, the diner owner. No, yeah, he says he says he's the key. We got to nail him. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, it is crazy, just like the scope of the the artist, because there are all these artists who made these sculptures that are possible Dexter Jetsters or Jetster, I think is his name. I can't remember if it's Jexter, Dexter. Anyway, um, and George Lucas is just looking at this huge table that has probably like 100, 200 head wooden or uh, sculpture figurines, and he's just going through and being like, 
that one looks good. And grabbing this one. And then it, ultimately he's like, what if we combine the head of this, like the top part of this guy's head onto this guy's head? And it it's just crazy watching those moments. Yeah. And, and and it is cool seeing the physical yeah. things that they made. Yeah. Um, yeah. So another thing George says as they're, as they're animating the Yoda scene is they're saying, we have to make sure this fight doesn't look funny. Uh-oh. Which is another famous last words moment, I would say. Um, I do really feel like they tried, though. I, yes. Because when you, before the fight started, you were like, now let's see how goofy this is. And as it's going, I'm like, I, I'm kind of into this. This is pretty cool. And then he just starts jumping and doing more flips and bouncing off walls. And it's like, I find myself starting to smile yeah. <laughs> while watching it. And it, it does become kind of silly. I found, because this is just a very dunked on moment in star wars okay like the yoda fight is just silly and and even with that knowledge sitting down to watch it i i my inner child didn't die because when i watched it i was like that's pretty cool yeah yeah (laughs) i think it's pretty silly but i it kind of still works for me yeah me too but i'm almost embarrassed to say that Mm -hmm. yeah um another thing i noticed in this documentary is George seemed completely comfortable behind the editing bays and yeah. with the animators. Yeah. Because we've talked about so much how he's not really, he he doesn't like to be a boots-on-the-ground director. I mean, Empire Strikes Back, the best Star Wars movie, he's in another country, and they're sending footage to him, and he's editing it together. Mm-hmm. And that one turns out the best. So when you put those together, you I think... This totally makes sense, 2 plus 2 equals 4, that we got to this point where he's like, hey, if I can just film these scenes, we can combine the takes, and I can add all the stuff later with all you animators, and we're just sitting here at a computer, that's how I want to make movies. And so, as much as that... Why doesn't he do animated movies? I don't know. Yeah, he should have... Sounds like it could kind of be his thing. I mean, I think he's done now, but... Yeah, you're right, that's interesting. But but it's it's sort of like he he presents this movie as like this is what I always dreamed I could do with Star Wars mm-hmm. was to make these crazy unbelievable images mm-hmm. and I've never been able to do them until this movie. Yeah. Unfortunately, it looks like garbage. But did it look at garbage like garbage at the time? Um too many it did okay um i think as a kid it was just like this is insane oh i didn't care as a kid um but there's there's some elements besides the overuse of cg that i'm gonna get into on why Uh this movie looks so bad Uh because there's a bigger element that that is at play here um but yeah so well and here it is it's right here in my notes (laughs) that this is the third movie to theatrically be released that is shot completely digitally Mm -hmm. what are the first two the first two are um a movie called uh uh-oh where did it go um jackpot and vito ck cq no idea Mm. oh i'm sorry this is the third film release that was completely digital 24 frames per second okay so at this point in time like digital could only do 30 frames a second Oh. And, you know, that that's like the kind of cameras like our parents would buy when we yeah. were kids, you know. 
And so they want to do this whole movie on digital because with Phantom Menace, they had to take all the film that they shot, scan it in, and then start working on uh, digital effects. So they're thinking about cutting out the middleman. And I was even reading, like, when he was getting this, trying to release this movie and stuff like that, he's, like, begging theaters to use digital projectors and stuff. And they're like, whatever. Mm -hmm. Which is just crazy because now you can't find a film projector, like, Mm -hmm. places. So... I really think this is the moment where it's like the shot heard around the world that digital will now become the beast that wins it all. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing they were concerned about was the frames per second and um, they also like special lenses and stuff like that. Yeah. Because at this time, you can't make digital look as good as film. You can't. Yeah. Um, many still argue you cannot. But so they get special cameras that are built. Um I can find those. Yeah, okay, so so in Phantom Menace, they wanted to do this, but they couldn't get the cameras built in time. And so they're finally getting ready to do it, and they shot this whole movie in 1080p, which is nuts, and I think that explains some of why this movie looks so bad. Uh-huh. 1080p is good, but if you're starting at 1080p and you're not scaling down, that's why filmmakers shoot in like 4 or 6K, because then you you can crop and change and do stuff, and the quality's still incredible. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so it was shot in 16.9 format, um, and then it was cropped to the widescreen ratio that they oh, needed. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so the area above and below the extraction area was so that Lucas could reframe the picture as necessary in post-production. So all that stuff, you're going to lose a little quality. Mm-hmm. There's another reason. Um, and then, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So I think that's the digital. Uh-huh. That's the digital. Uh-huh. And, I mean, filmmakers, critics, stuff like that are like, this looks bad. Yeah. And I and I really noticed it on this viewing where I was like, this movie just like has no depth of feel. Yeah. It's, it's um, not washed out. What's funny is this movie, like... Netflix sci-fi and action movies and stuff look maybe a little worse than this, which is crazy to me. Yeah. Because like most Netflix stuff and like a lot of streaming stuff and even big budget movies are just like flat images. Yeah. And it's like, are you kidding me? In 20 years, you you, you can't make it look better? Yeah. Um, And a lot of that's lighting, I think, is just crazy these days. And yeah. they're color grading. Yeah. But... It was nuts watching this movie and being like, this is so incredibly ugly. And then also knowing, like, this is how most Netflix movies look, which is also really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even, even um, what did we watch? The Bubble? A Judd Apatow movie. The guy still doesn't, I guess Netflix still doesn't give him the power to, like, r- properly light a scene and color grade it in a way that you can actually see what's going on. Yeah, but I, in terms of how I feel about that movie, I don't think anyone really cared. It's a dumb movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't know if that's really one to think about. But didn't we think that Army of the Dead looked good? Um, I, did I, we th- I can't remember if we... I feel like that movie looked pretty good. I think it looked good. It didn't look quite as good as like... Snyder when he's doing like a Warner Brothers movie. No, but or he's like known but, for making good looking things. Yeah. But it did look different. But that could have been a a 
thing he wanted to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I just I just want to point out this is the moment in history, and and as much as I wish that this moment kind of didn't happen, um, I do get it from an artistic perspective. Like some people have to trip and fall so that others can run. And this is a huge trip and fall. <laughs> yeah. And it, if it was going to be him, it was always going to be him. Because yeah. as we've learned throughout this, that he he is, he is loves pushing technology to the next thing. Yeah. And that, that's why you get some weird Ang Lee movies, too. And yeah. Zumeckis movies are weird, too, some of them. Because yeah. he's just trying to do new things that they just ultimately don't work. But maybe 10 years from now, we have this other thing. That's that a great point. It's because yeah. of those bad bad movies. Yeah, because I'm not necessarily like anti digital. Yeah, but um, the the other thing is, you know, if you're if you're doing this movie the first time with all this digital stuff, maybe if you if they could have shown some restraint, um, it it would have maybe made the movie better. Yeah, because instead of instead of being like, okay, we have this technology. Like, let's just see what we can do with it in small doses, and then maybe the next movie will get bigger. They're like, okay, let's do as much as we can possibly do. I don't think the these the series is capable of being in the middle, though. Right. It's too Yeah, big. that's a good point. Yeah. But um, anyway, thought that was crazy. Yeah. And really noticed it on this viewing, that this movie yeah. is ugly. But it's the time. Well, sorry it's for the, the technology. next one, too. Well, yeah, we'll see. We will see. Um, And then... I actually don't have that many notes, what? which may surprise you. Yeah. Um, I did want to read this, though. Wait. You probably don't know this. Okay. But was um, Ewan McGregor's beard or hair real? I, d I have no idea okay. on that. I'm just guessing it wasn't. It didn't look real. It looked pretty bad. Yeah. Especially the beard. And then, like, when they were flying in the, like, towards the end of the movie, uh -huh. like, his hair wasn't really moving. Like, I oh, felt really? like it was a wig. And it was stiff. Well, and, and they're doing a lot of... So this movie's like... It, it might be the first movie where they're using like digital stunt doubles. Huh. Um, and yeah. they're, they're... I mean, this isn't the first movie to do this because um, I know there's a shot in Jurassic Park that does this. But like when Christopher Lee is doing his lightsaber fighting, a lot of that is another actor and then they're putting his, Christopher Lee's face on that actor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot of that stuff is... Kind of like, I, I mean, to this movie's credit, is stuff that people use in like every single movie now. That's an action movie. Mm -hmm. um, maybe we could have figured out a more fun way to do it, or maybe that's good. I don't know. Yeah. It, it just with technical stuff like this, sometimes it is like not, not everything, not everyone is a purist or an artist in all those ways, and these things will always happen. Yeah. And it's all, it's almost like I'm also, I think I'm getting to a point where it's like, kind of done talking about if it should be done or not yeah because it's going to be done either way right and and you know at the end of the day i mean do we really like i love practical um but do we really want a star wars movie where there's no no right. cgi in it yeah like with our current technology yeah i don't think so but that's that's why i think like force awakens is a is a great at least visual movie where where they did a, a wonderful job of like there's crazy special effects, yep. but also the practical stuff is insane. Do you happen to know if they did any painted backgrounds in that movie or in that the I don't next know. stuff? I don't know. 
You have to remind cool. me. I'd, I'd, I'll That's have to what I would that like up. to get back to is some painted backgrounds. Yeah. I don't think those will ever come back, unfortunately. I don't think so either. I mean, it takes way too much time and money. Yeah. And they, they can't move. Yeah. Because that's the whole thing. Yeah. If, if, it, if it ever is a thing that we see in a new thing, it's because it's, it's intentional. Yeah. It would be in like a Wes Anderson movie or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, but. Probably is in like the French Dispatch or something. Yeah, actually, I yeah, I would imagine a lot of that stuff is yeah is painted actually. Um, uh, e the entertainment yeah uh, entertainment tonight or whatever they reported that Lucas had asked In Sync to film a small background cameo. Why for his kids? In order to satisfy his daughters. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> they were cut out of the film in post production, but they are briefly visible in a crowd shot. No way. Yeah, we got JT. <laughs> um reshoots were the move for the movie were done in march 2001 and this is when uh they made a new action sequence which was the droid factory oh. lucas had decided that the film lacked a quick enough pace uh in the time frame so so they- he decided to add like 10 minutes to the movie so they, it's a long sequence. It's long. They rushed pre-visualization, and the live-action footage was shot within four and a half hours. <gasps> <laughs> That's crazy. And there's a great... I, I couldn't find it this time around, but there's a great image uh, video where Natalie Portman is on this blue set, and George Lucas has just, like, blue... Like, giant blue Q-tips, basically, and he's like, jump. Uh, and then he'll like swing them at her and stuff, and it turns into the droid factory. Yeah. But I I think she says something like, "What am I doing in this scene?" And he's like, "Just don't worry about it. We'll take care of it in post." Oi, they. I know, I know. Um, and then another huge thing about this movie is the Geonosis battle was not storyboarded. Wow. They went straight to animatics. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, where they animate yep. the sequence and stuff like that. But I think that explains why it is so underwhelming. And there's yeah. not a lot of, it's just it kind of it random. It just wasn't thought out. Yeah, it's just, it's just random. Yeah. Uh, so that's a big deal. And then finally, the movie comes out May 16th, 2020. I mean, I mean. 2021? <laughs> Wait a second. 2002. Uh, so it's almost 20 years old. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, it'll be 20 years old. And uh, it's a $115 million budget. It makes 310 in the U.S. and 656 worldwide. Quite a bit lower than Phantom Menace. Quite a bit lower. Because Phantom Menace uh-huh. breached the billion. Uh-huh. Um, so they breached? Breached. Okay. It preached the billion. So those are my notes. You got any actors? So Hayden Christensen was 21 when the movie came out. Wow. He looks very young. He looks very young. Um. He is so leading up to this, he is in In the Mouth of Madness. Okay. Oh, I thought I knew what this was. I don't know what this is. Is that that's a, is that the Oh um, no, I do know what this is. Oh, I Sam think this, they're movie? playing a weird trailer. You know how sometimes I need to be Oh it's like a trailer that's actually not the movie. So yeah, the James Carpenter John John Carpenter movie. <laughs> James Carpenter. Uh yeah. I feel like I kind of remember him in it. Yeah, like like I whenever we watched it, we were like, they're taking Christensen. Um, and then he, so that was 1994. He's in an episode of something the year before. And then he's in some TV movies, one starring Sean Astin, uh, 
then he's in a movie called Street Law, No Greater Love. Oh, it's another TV movie. He's like in an episode here, an episode there, two episodes of Goosebumps. Episode everywhere. Um, There's an old Goosebumps show? I guess so. Oh, that's probably fun. Yeah. And then once he makes those rounds, he's in Star Wars Episode 2. So he's he's been in a lot of stuff. And then he's in a severe de- decline ever de- every day since episode two. Yes. Uh, he is in that movie Jumper that everyone loved. Yeah, that was I'm his like... I, I never saw that movie. His foray into trying to be movie? out of Star Wars. I know. And then... I remember they really pushed him too. I just remember trailers and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm just looking past that part of his filmography. Yeah, all these movies I've never heard of in my life. Yeah. Never. He, yeah, whatever. Okay. Is he, can you just see on upcoming, is he in Obi-Wan? Let's see. Uh-huh. Okay. As much as I think Hayden Christensen, I mean, I have no Not disrespect. Not as Anakin. As Darth Vader. Yeah. Um, I have no disrespect for him as a person. And I think when you're dealing with George Lucas at this point in his career, it's hard to get a good performance. So... Who knows what he could have done if it was a better actor-director. But I'm really happy for him that he what? gets to return to Star Wars. What is this show, Ahsoka? Uh, that- it's a spinoff from Mandalorian. Oh, it's about that one character. Yep. Okay, he's in that. But, but oh, whoa, okay. So, so was Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Whoa. So. Okay, did you hear that I was, I'm excited for him, though. Even yeah, if, no, even I, if yeah. he's not that good in it, I'll be like, oh, good for him. Yeah. Oh, are you kidding me? I, I want nothing but good things for him and especially Jake Lloyd and yeah. Ahmed Best. Um, We've covered Christopher Lee. We have years ago. This time in theaters, you could have seen him in Attack of the Clones. And then later that winter, you could have seen him as Sauruman and the Twin Towers. We've covered Tem- Temura. The Two Towers. <laughs> Fellowship. What? The Two Towers, not the Twin Towers. Oh. Sorry, I didn't even notice. Uh, Tamara Morrison. Oh, yeah, yeah, Who plays Django Fett. I had no idea. Very surprised. Uh Uh-huh. We've covered him, though. Rose Burns in this movie. Fun. Yeah. Uh, We've covered her. We have. And then um, also, trying to find him. By the way, that guy who's at the beginning that we thought was in Wellington Paranormal is not the same person. Wow. But even when I pulled up his IMDb, I was like, oh, this is the chief captain in, yeah. uh, in uh, Par- for, for Wellington them. Paranormal. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, this is definitely the captain, like you said, of the ship Are they at the related? Beginning. I didn't see that. Oh, okay. Um, um, Joel Edgerton, have we covered him? I don't think we have. So Joel Edgerton plays... Uncle Owen. Uncle Owen. He is so cute and chubby, like like baby, yeah, yeah. baby face in this movie. Um, he is in, I just want to know what he's in leading up to this. Okay. He's done a lot of TV movies, TV series leading up to this movie, mostly stuff like that. Um, and then he's in episode two, but I mean, he's done a lot before that. Okay. Just a lot of TV stuff. Not to say that TV's bad. No, no, no. It's just not what we talk about on this show. But I, I really, there's not much other like Hayden Christensen's the big one. Yeah. For this series, for this movie. So, um. Well, while you're looking him up, I do want to tell people, um, that it's been pretty fun and pretty nice. We're getting 
close to our Patreon goal of 50 patrons. We're only, as of this recording, 13 slash maybe 14 away because someone signed up twice on accident. Um, but I don't know if it's going through. You don't need to concern yourself with that listener. But I just want to remind people that once we get to 50 patrons, we're going to do an extra show on the Patreon in addition to our other extra show on the Patreon. So, um, And that show is going to be where we cover every single Pixar movie. And then um, even when new ones come out, we'll cover those. So you'll have the main feed show for everyone, this show you're listening to. Then we'll have MPU the sequel, one one episode a month. Then the uh, Pixar show, which will be one another episode every month. So sign up at patreon.com slash Micah McCaw. And it's only $3 a month to get that package. Or you could go as high as 20 to get exclusive merch and stuff. There's a, there's a bunch of different tiers. So... That's that's what I wanted to say while you looked him up. Cool. And you didn't find him. I did. Oh, you did. But you didn't find any connection? No. Okay. So should we dive into the movie? Let's do it. Okay. So the movie begins. The movie begins, and we have this big old silver mirror ship flying down into Coruscant. The city planet. Yes. Well, no. That's not how the movie starts. Uh, the movie begins with the title. Yes. And then <laughs> yeah, well, yes. The 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 crawling setup. Right. Uh which tells us what? Okay, let let me let me look it up again. Um I will say the polit- still way too much heavy politics. Yeah. Not a, a little less complicated. This time compared to the last movie. <laughs> well, it's just funny because I mean, yeah, the last so it, movie was very political. This one goes like this. Yeah. There is unrest in the Galactic Senate. Okay. Several thousand solar systems have ha- have declared their intention to leave the Republic. This separatist movement under the leadership of the mysterious Count Dooku, okay, has made it difficult for the limited number of Jedi. Jedi Knights to maintain peace and order in the galaxy. Senator Amidala, the former queen of Naboo, is returning to the Galactic Senate to vote on the critical issue of creating an army of the Republic and this... to assist the overwhelmed Jedi. Okay, so a couple things right off the bat <laughs> that I'm confused by. Okay. And they do make this clear, but it's still just I'm unclear. Yes. Jedi are like police officers. Uh, <sighs> I know that that's the answer is no, but it's just the wording is weird based on what is represented. And it I further, think they're like the Peace Corps. Yeah, I think that's their intent. It, it further confuses me for episodes four through six. Right. Because there is no Jedi presence. Right. Within this, these governments that didn't, didn't even exist when those movies came out. Um, and well, then another question. Yeah. Yeah. Or, well, can we? Can you sure. hold that okay. question? I, I think there is this idea that George is kind of playing on. I, I don't. I just can't tell how intentional it is. And in this movie, it's starting to get there. But I, I think it's kind of this idea that like, like religious systems can fail yeah. at, at certain points. And so, to me, it does feel like this is 
it's kind of how I read it more than I think George's intention maybe is, is that like this is the the last breath of what the Jedi Order should be. Which we talked about kind of we in did? the last okay. one. I couldn't remember but if we did But the confusing thing is, is it seems like there's only like 20 years in between. <laughs> right, right. The end of this trilogy and the beginning of the other. Right. And it does, that doesn't, to me, that's not enough time for a, let's just call it a religion to fall completely by the wayside and become magic, crazy, weird stuff that no one believes in. That's superstition. Yeah. I just don't buy yeah. it. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. But I, I, I am willing to pretend that that's what's going on. Yeah. To make this work. Um, because it's, you're really not going to like the movie if you can't <laughs> make up <laughs> some right. things, which is pretty bad. The, the Jedi Council is just tough because I just... It's just really hard to tell what what George is actually playing on and what is being shown. Yeah. Because it really looks like they're bad at their jobs and they aren't good at doing anything and none of them are smart. Yeah. And in this movie, it's sort of playing on that a little bit in some parts that we'll get to later that I actually think make the, make their story, the Jedi story, better. But it feels like that wasn't his intent in the first movie and and I don't know how intentional it was in this one even, with all the like Anakin like like the stuff. Jedi just just not having good rules and just being very like just not smart. Yeah, I mean this movie is hitting the they're not very smart issue because they don't know any of this stuff with Palpatine is oh, going on. And, like they don't even know that this clone army is being made, which I know there's yeah that's the mystery element. Okay, anyway, but go ahead. The other thing that is just a little confusing to me is so this is like whole solar system like a whole galaxy uh-huh. is involved in this and there's solar systems seceding from the union yeah and uh que- i understand that like maybe other solar we're gonna call them countries uh have okay, to yeah. or people no states they have, they have to come to washington dc to vote on <laughs> the issue which is queen amidala or, or the she, UN countries coming the to the UN. UN. For some reason, though, they they make her to me feel like she so much rides on her, right? And I just don't get that because she's not the queen anymore. She's a senator, boring for a Star Wars movie, right? And like, I okay, fine, I get like someone like trying to assassinate her, but it just is like it all seems really hinged on like we need to keep her safe above all costs. Right, and and I, I, how much of that has to do with the continued struggle on Naboo, I think? But what continued struggle is there? Well, because the Trade Federation. Oh! Stuff like, I, I mean, I think, like, like imagine if we were in, uh, uh, if this was happening in America right now. Or not America, in the world right now. And, like, if if, you know, right now, while we're recording this, Russia is attacking Ukraine. Yeah. And if... Like President Zelensky is maybe a more important figure to world history at this point in time than like the the president yeah, of yeah, yeah. some other country. I guess I'm just confused by that because she's not a president or a queen. She's just some senator. Right. Yeah, and I don't really have an <laughs> And I understand for that. like like even in our our government 
which I don't quite understand to f- because it's bureaucracy and it's supposed to be confusing, truly. <laughs> yeah. That like there are some people who are like swing voters. They kind of ride the line. Uh-huh. And sometimes it's like, or, or even states, that's why there's always stuff happening in Iowa during presidential elections right because like it's kind of a toss-up the whole time or, or they have like a certain i can't amount believe of we're votes. talking about voting i know while we're talking Star about Star Wars. it's just i'm trying to apply it to real world things to maybe help me understand yeah, yeah. it because george obviously is interested in it uh-huh some for some reason so i i like kind of get that all that stuff but i just still don't i'm like i just still don't get it <laughs> right well the like it, it, I struggle with this movie because the the broad strokes of the story I do think are very cool, but it's just so poorly written. Oh, it's so poorly written. Because I, I've seen this movie probably 30 times, and when we watched it, there was a certain uh, element that happened that I've literally never tracked before. Uh-huh. And I just feel like I should have by now. I mean, a lot of it is little details that when you're a kid, you yeah. aren't picking up on. Yeah. But it's just... What what was it that you picked up on? Well, I, I never really picked up on this idea that that Count... Like, when Count Dooku captures Obi-Wan... Yeah. And they're on Geonosis, he says, Obi-Wan, did you know that Darth Sidious, being the Emperor... Uh, Palpatine yeah, is controlling the Senate. Yeah. And he's going to be able to have all the power in the world, in the galaxy. And that's why Count Dooku wants to secede. And and Count Dooku's like, if you join me, we can stop him. Yeah. That's what he says to Obi-Wan. And I think that scene... Yeah, that goes over my... That's like gone over my head as well. Yeah, yeah. and because in my head, I'm always like, well, Count Dooku's a bad guy. Yes. But then when I hear that, I'm going, wait, he's... He actually knows more than the Jedi Council. But it's so poor, like, that should, that is cool. Yeah. And it should be, like, that whole struggle, moral struggle thing. But the movie's so boring. Well, and what what makes it worse is, I think this is just a bad decision. Count Dooku presents that thing. He's with them. He has, like, Death Star plans. And, and it's kind of this, um, like, he wants to do the right thing, but in the wrong way. Uh-huh, yeah. And that's so interesting to explore. But then at the end of the movie, you find out he was actually in cahoots with Palpatine the whole time and so it's like oh yeah uh, like when I finally tracked it this time all all the way through yeah a million times I I just thought why not why not make Count Dooku his own thing yeah that is actually against Palpatine and now the Jedi are like struggling to figure both of these things out yeah because they're and like potentially because this is a trilogy and this is the second movie Count Dooku is defeated by the end of it yeah. And by by the end of it, maybe they even like are kind of getting aware of Palpatine. So that's what the next movie is about is to take care of the next thing, which I think is I mean, kind of what happens. I think what would be a really easy because fi- also, if you remember, episode three, like begins with them, like decapitating Count Dooku. It, he is like so inconsequential. Huh? Yeah. Like at the very beginning oh, of the movie. Yeah, I kind, I kind of remember that. Yeah. They kill him and it's kind of like, well, why was he in this? Yeah. But. Here, here's a fix that I'm coming up on the top of my head. So in this movie, another thing that I've never been able to figure out in this series is Obi-Wan goes to Kamino and he finds all these clones and they're like, hey, welcome Jedi, all of this stuff. And then he finds out that um, Darth, no, not Darth, um, 
Sifo-Dyas, the Jedi Master Sifo-Dyas. Do we know? Have we? Did we ever see that person? This is what's mind-bending to me. Okay. Every time I watch the movie, in my head, I I put, I like translate it as okay, Count Dooku is Sifo-Dyas. Okay. Um, but he's not. Okay. Uh, it's someone that's never on screen, never been on screen, never a character we've seen, has never been in the movies. So- it, it's it is just a MacGuffin thing, it's like a it's MacGuffin. just moving things. But it's also like you just missed a huge opportunity to use a, a character that we're familiar with, even if it was someone who was introduced at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, you know that maybe someone that we we thought we could trust, or that we're just conf- like the whole thing's confusing because it's still a mystery. But yeah, they just made up a person. Right, and and since that you don't sucks. know who it is, like I literally went to Wikipedia and looked up this person because I was like, you know what, I'm gonna figure it out this time. And it described how like ten years before Clone Wars, he put in an order and did all this thing, and then he died, or maybe twenty years, and then like ten years earlier, he had been killed. And it was like because there's also this moment where Obi Wan's going, I thought he died, and I think he even tells Count Dooku like, I thought Sifo-Dyas died, and there's kind of this like, ooh, maybe Sifo-Dyas is not dead. Yeah. But he is. He just yeah. is. There there really isn't any mystery. <laughs> it is kind of lazy. Yeah. Cause it's, so check out this as a fix to the movie. It, it'd be a huge fix. But Emperor, Palpatine takes control of the Senate, but he is he's also working with the Trade Federation. So he has the entire battle droid army okay. at his disposal, but secretly. Then, instead of this weird, convoluted, double-crossing thing, Count Dooku is the person who ordered the troops because he saw that this was coming. Okay. And he was banished from the Jedi Council for doing so. Um, I mean, maybe there's some different details there, but he's not able to be a Jedi anymore. But he is good at heart. And he orders the army. He leads the, the army. The clone army? The clone army. Okay. He leads the army in an epic battle between the 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 droids and the republic and then the jedi when they see this happening and they see that the emperor took over this would be over both of the next two movies you know yeah um they join with the clones and then they fight the emperor but then the emperor orders he still does as executive order 66 and all of the clones still turn on them and then at the end of the day the jedi have been turned on by everyone every which way i forgot that that happens yeah yeah did that idea that's make be- sense that's better than what we get for sure and ima- imagine a move imagine episode two starts and you see christopher lee in this like rain soaked place and he's like ordering stormtroopers around and and we just spend like 10 minutes with him and you're just like, what is this movie? I don't even know who this character is. And he is creating this army. Hmm. Huge rewrite. I mean, huge rewrite. Yeah, but that's so much better. It's and so, so much, much more better. Interesting. Why? Yeah. <laughs> it's also kind of right there, too, which is I, a well, little that's, frustrating. I think that's what it's kind of like. Yeah, of course. That's yeah. kind of how it feels. Because, like, the current plan is the Emperor is like, okay, I have control of the droids secretly. Now I have control of Senate. And then I have control of the Jedi, and then they have the stormtroopers, and now I'm going to turn the stormtroopers. So he has, like, every advantage the whole time. He's he's puppet master the whole time, which is fine, but it's also, it's, because of the way it's written, it's kind of confusing. Yeah, it definitely is. I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. 
So, and I'm going to have a lot of questions as we go through this. G- great. So there's an explosion on the tarmac where another decoy is killed. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then uh, we find the the Obi Wan. Why does she still have decoys if she's not a queen anymore? I don't I know. I guess it was actually the answer is because the other one got assassinated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Wait. What other one? In the movie, her decoy got assassinated. Yeah. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Um. Then we meet Obi Wan and uh, uh, Hayden Christensen as yeah. they <laughs> Anakin. That's his name. As they are assigned to protect Padme. Did you like Anakin? Did you like Hayden Christensen as a kid? I I probably did. I don't have. I didn't have an opinion. It was just I, you know when you're a kid, it's like that is. Yeah. So, I always like liked it. Bad, real bad casting. Um, it, it's, I don't know if I agree with that anymore. I think I used to agree with that. Uh, just same as the last movie. The Although I I do think the kid was bad casting, but yeah. um, the the writing is just so abysmal. It doesn't really matter who's who's casted. Truly, is what I think. I, yeah. And like as the movie's going, the emotions, the the like the personalities of the characters are just as muted as the last movie. And Hayden Christensen is the only one who, because the character, the script calls for yeah. it, is the only one who's emotional. And so I'm like kind of pulled towards that character through this movie although i hate everything like the love story stupid stuff and it's just teenage angst uh-huh. and it makes him look like and i know everyone knows this such a cry baby yeah because it's supposed to be this guy that grows up to to be this crazy villain yeah and they i i like see the potential in right. the character that george lucas has has written where he's like he's like this kid that everyone tells him you're the best. You're number one. Yeah. You will. You're the chosen one. It's been prophesied, and he and it's a character that like believes that. Yeah. And that's why he's like throwing fits, and it gets mad easily, and is insubordinate towards Obi Wan because he's like, well, you guys told me I'm the best, so I am going to question you. Yeah. But it's just so poorly written. It just comes off as that guy is just a douche. Right. Yeah, I guess I would agree with that. Um, it it just can't be overstated how bad George is with actors. Yeah, because even you know I rem- like people are really ex- by now it's out, but people are really excited about Ewan McGregor returning as Obi Wan. Yeah, and I remember in my mind's memory that like he's so good at he's like one of the redeeming factors in this. He's awful in this. He movie. sucks. He's he terrible. Sucks. And I remember as a kid, like I loved Ewan. Yeah, I mean. But I, he is becoming an interesting actor to me. Okay. Because okay, here we. Okay, I, here we go. I really like him, and he is an incredible actor. Uh huh. He's he's been in such incredible things. He's been in some stinkers though too. He has. And he kind of freaks me out. Yeah. He's just got a lot of teeth. <laughs> and he just when we talked about this in Harley Quinn. About, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, which is an example of he sucked in that movie. Yeah. Um, but he's just an interesting person. He's very, he I, is. I almost feel like, and I don't even know if I necessarily agree with this, but he almost feels like an actor who needs a good director. Yeah. To, to transcend the script, you yeah. know? Um, I mean, as far as human characters are concerned, Christopher Lee does great. 
Yeah, but when has he ever done bad? Ian McDormand, I think, the Palpatine. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He's great. Yeah. Um, and then Samuel L. Jackson is great. Yeah. Um, and Kit Fisto is great. Yeah. Well, I was saying human characters, but. Uh, <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> well, and of course Dexter Jetster, he's the best. No. We all we That's all a, love. It's actually him. false. Um. But yeah, I, ju- I just remember being like, oh yeah, Obi-Wan is really good. I, and he's awful. He's awful in this. But so bored. But again, that I don't th- I I think Ewan McGregor's a great actor. I really enjoy him. Yeah. It's not his fault that it's awful. He's doing what he can do. Oh yeah, I agree with that. And that's how I feel about every performance. There's just it helps that like Sam Jackson doesn't have to do a lot of emotional lines. He just has to like do orders and and just kind of sit there contemplating. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like he's hitting his mark. <laughs> it's kind of what his yeah. role requires. Because because Obi Wan is ha- having to do all these like quips the whole movie. Oh, and they're so bad. They're and, so like, bad. He like does puns and stuff too. And it, and it's tough because you you think of Alec Guinness, and like that that character in in A New Hope was not like that yeah and of course people can change but this doesn't really feel like obi-wan no no yeah it's it's tough but yeah so they are ordered to protect amadala uh but they're not that this is when the insubordination like starts right away right because they're not tasked to investigate what happened they're just supposed to protect her (laughs) right right but anakin (laughs) spins that in, in we need to investigate it because that's part of protecting her. Right. All that stuff. Um, a lot of these sets and it ha- goes to the digital thing with this movie look just like garbage. They really they look do. so bad. Yeah. And it's, it's such a bummer because like we've said, especially with the first trilogy, what makes this, this franchise so good is this lived in world. And I understand that this planet's not exactly mm-hmm. that. And we do go to Tatooine, but it's just none of it's just this stuff sucks to look at. It's boring. Yeah, yeah. And then like okay, well, they're arguing uh-huh. while they're protecting her. And then um we like get a cut to some assassin's gonna put like bugs in her room to poison. Oh, and and kill also her. like before that, he's like uh 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 Anakin goes she turned off like the monitoring device. I guess she doesn't want me watching her sleep. Or he says something yeah. along those lines. Oh, yeah. Throughout this movie, too, because like we said, it's been a while since we've seen it. Yeah. And seeing it ne- today, it is like, he is gross. Yeah, he's, he's kind of incel with what we were He's manipulating her. Yeah. That's weird. Um, And it's supposed to be a love story for the ages. Well, yeah, and, and I, I think that... I know that he is Darth Vader. He becomes Darth Vader. But I think if they had a pure love, and and she still died like the same way and everything, I think that it would it would be more tragic. Because right now it's just kind of like, when is the other shoe gonna fall? This guy's a creep. Yeah. Especially watching it in the modern lens, it's it's very it's not a I don't like it. Yeah, but <laughs> someone puts bugs in her room and they save her just in time. Yeah. And then they go after the person who put the bugs in her well. So there's a long sequence of flying cars and chasing people. This sequence, people. I think, is good. I liked it, too. I think it's really fun, and I do think some of the quips in this are kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, and I like, agree with like that. And Anakin get, being like, here's a shortcut, and he's going, no, this this wasn't a shortcut, but then he jumps off of the ship. 
Yeah. And lands and the sound design is crazy. The sound design is so freaking cool. Like I I think this is a, a great scene. Yeah, it's cool. Um as far but, as action goes, the best in the movie. Easy. Yeah. Well, we haven't gotten to those creatures yet. Oh, but, they're pretty cool. Um, yeah. They they track the person to a bar and so we're, there's a bar scene when they're and, and we just were commenting on how there's like it's like a human bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like hardly it's any, like kind of boring to look at. Yeah, there are like hardly any aliens in there, and it it is just very odd. You want to buy some death sticks? You don't want to sell me death sticks. I don't want to sell you death sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life? I want to go home and rethink my life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. As a kid, awesome. Oh. Now so cool. now it feels very pandering, and they have cigarettes like. And they call them death sticks. Come on, get out of here. Like, they have a 50 style diner in this. Well, I, I know that's there's a lot of that. And they have Java juice that they serve. <laughs> right, there. let's save that little right but, there. But yeah, so the, the bar just looks so boring. Yeah. And just because people have crazy hair doesn't make it a Star Wars movie. You got to throw <laughs> right, in right. some aliens in there too that look weird and are fun to look at. Well, and, and what's weird is like, so this bar scene doesn't look good. Then they they get this person who's a changeling, yeah, and she is shot by a poison dart, a poison dart from Django Fett. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Is, yes. Did Django Fett give her the bugs? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, also the music's cool in that whole sequence. The yeah. little drumming stuff is fun. Um, so that all happens, and then it cuts back to like a conversation with Palpatine and Obi Wan or someone. And I just noticed that, like, the actual shot compositions and how they edited the scene was so weird. Probably because of the whole cutting things down. Yeah, it was, like, really weird. There were these, like, four back-to-back close-up shots that I was like, this doesn't look right. Like, I'm disoriented. Very weird. I just wanted to point that out. Um, And... <laughs> so they've determined wait, 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 okay. Before you do anything here, I gotta tell you, or we gotta talk about how Jar Jar Binks is in this movie. Oh, okay. So Jar Jar Binks. Well, this actually goes into it. Oh, okay. So they determined that they need to uh put Queen Amidala in hiding. Well, she's not a queen anymore, but put her in hiding. Uh-huh. Padme. Her name's Padme. She's Padme now. Right. Uh they they need to put her in hiding, so they're gonna send her back to Naboo on a refugee ship. So that she's under the radar, and then they'll put her in a safe place there where she can hide. Yeah. Therefore, her uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan have to split up. And because she leaves, she has to give all Democrat or bureaucracy, power, whatever, to (laughs) Jar Jar. Go ahead. So George took the note. He's like, okay, people don't like Jar Jar. I'm going to really sideline him in this movie. But it's nuts. She gives him the senatorial powers. Why would he be on this planet and not the other guy? Which uh, oh oh the frog um, guy, the boss boss, Isley? the Gungan boss boss guy. Yeah, Is that really his name? um, I don't remember his real name, but yeah, it's it is a baffling decision. I mean, why would you put him in charge of this situation? Because then later on, he gives like you know he's like speaking like seriously in front of everybody and it's like i didn't hear a word he said because i was just (laughs) like what are they doing and when she tells him it he says i believe this is the line he goes because she goes you know you're gonna have to take care of this stuff while i'm gone and he says misa honored to be taking on this heavy burden yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> That's one of the silliest things ever put to film. It's dumb. Me so honored to be taking on this heavy burden. <laughs> so, and you, did you track that like Palpatine manipulates him and that's how he gets power? No. <laughs> so like Palpatine's whole, like the reason he's able to take control of all of this stuff is because he says around Jar Jar later, he's like, Oh, Queen Amidala's not here, but I wish I wish someone was here so that they could put someone to just take temporary control over the, the Senate and be able to make um, decisions, like no yeah. contest or something like that. And it cuts to Jar Jar, and he's, he's borderline, like, stroking his, his chin, going, oh. And then, it, and then it shows him in the council, and he's like, Ah, Misa vote that we allow Chancellor Palpatine to be able to run this. And then... That it, Chancellor Palpatine. Oh, they like goes, make him a dictator. Yeah, and he goes. He goes. Once this conflict is over, I will rescind my powers. So Jar Jar Binks is to blame for the emperor. I don't understand at all how the whole dictatorship thing happened. And it, it's it's it just falls under the category of boring yeah. again because I understand that people are fighting and arguing and they can't decide on things and like do a vote. Yeah. Like they can't vote on something, which is also like, have we held a vote yet? Because I don't think we have. Yeah. Um, but they can't even get to that point. So their their workaround is let's just let this one person decide for now. And we have to trust this one person to give everything back when he's done making his decision. Yes, but Jordan. Oh, I know. When they were getting ready to write this, they took inspiration from the rise of Hitler. So this is ripped from the history pages. And yeah, I guess things like this have happened in ways before, but it, it in this movie it is pretty confusing. Yeah, it's silly. I mean, Jar Jar Binks gives power to the Emperor. Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. In this. So, uh. Let's follow our friend Obi-Wan as he tries to unravel this mystery. He takes the dart to a diner and meets Dexter Jetster. So this diner is a throwback 50s diner with a robot waitress, a robot waitress, uh, who, when when Obi-Wan comes in, is like, you want some Java juice? Java juice. Okay. Coffee. Uh Um, Uh-huh. And he he takes up probably that that's like Obi's Obi Wan's booth. Yeah. And the this terribly animated and I know that's time that's just time uh-huh. I know that, but this terribly animated monster comes out with a mustache uh-huh. and his pants falling down and a uh-huh. greasy white shirt. Uh huh. I have an action figure of him. That actually is cool. Um, <laughs> hug gives him a hug, which looks odd because. Uh, Obi Wan, they they animated everything except his head on that hug shot, and and then and then it cuts to reverse, and you can see that he's not touching anything because if you remember, they would run through it with the actors, and then they'd run through it with no one because they just don't know how to shoot this stuff yet. Yeah, and so he hugs air, and you can tell that he's not making contact with anything. And then he like swoops his arms out wide because right, right. he doesn't know how big this thing is, and that that is more just like fascinating film history. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, but, but apparently... Let me cut in. Okay. Okay, he doesn't look great. He's aged. But I think the animation, the movements, and and the the um, little subtleties of how he speaks and how he moves his head and talks, 
I think is fantastic. Oh yeah. Well, who's the character later on from the first movie? The dude that owned Anakin that I can't remember his name. Oh, uh, Watto. He looks so good in this movie. Yeah. So good. But I think Dexter looks fantastic. It's just like, he's just not like rendered the way he would be rendered now. You know yeah, what I'm saying? And that, that's not something you can really critique. Right. Um, but we're, so apparently this, this man who works at a greasy spoon knows what kind of dart this is. And is an expert on these things and knows about some secret solar, some secret planet. Yeah. You're looking for the Camino planet. You got to go in this direction. So that's what happens. But can we. I don't get that though. Who is this person? Well, I think it's, it's inferred. I I think that's normal, but uh, I mean, we haven't hit hard enough that for some reason in a galaxy far, far away, this is world breaking. This is not a good good idea that they have a diner that looks like our diners look when we make diners that are supposed to look like they're from the 50s yep we went to a diner in boston that almost looks identical to this diner yep and it predates this diner i'm pretty sure it 100 percent predates the diner it predates this time okay for sure um it's just a weird decision and it totally rips you out of the the um the the belief Moment? in this oh, it's story. suspension of disbelief yeah it's yeah. it's a wild decision but we know george loves the 50s that's when he was raised so yeah but don't remind us of them <laughs> in, in, a, in a movie that takes place in a world that is nowhere near ours yeah it's very crazy but this leads obi-wan to go to the jedi temple and he goes to the library the library and he meets a really mean librarian who's like, if it's not here, then it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of mean. And we don't like her. Mm-hmm. Am I right? I guess we don't. Now, you said something interesting that I disagree with on the library. That's okay. I don't even know if I agree with it, really. Oh, okay. Should I not bring it up? Oh, I just said, how boring is it that we're watching a Star Wars movie and they went to the library? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I think it's cool that there's a <laughs> library. <laughs> But then we go to, he goes and visits Yoda. Yeah. And Yoda is teaching a bunch of young Padawan learners. Yeah. And I think, so we talked about this last episode. I think they use the word Padawan and apprentice pretty interchangeably. Yeah, I think so too. I think you're like a Padawan learner and then you're like a Padawan apprentice, then you're a Jedi. Yeah, then you're a Padawan Jedi, yeah. (laughs) Um, And these cute little kids are like, Perhaps if the system is missing, it means that someone deleted the file. And Yoda's like, that's what happened. <laughs> so so Yoda is is confirming because he shows a map and stuff. It, it's kind of a nice sequence. I kind of like it. There's this like scene. a gravitational pull in that area or something. So Yoda's like, just go and see what happens. Yeah, but but Yoda agrees that's what happened. Someone deleted it. Yeah. And yet he's not suspicious of this uh senatorial thing that's going on. He's got bigger fish to fry. It just, I, I, it's a bummer to me that, that Yoda is, um, not, he's not that wise in these movies because this should be like some of his prime time, even though yeah. I guess it's only, you know, 30 or 40 years earlier, but yeah, I, I just wish he was, uh, made smarter decisions. Yeah. I don't really, I don't know. It's it's just a little bit of a bummer because yeah. his, his character's so weighty and meaty, mm-hmm. and then to find out that like Obi Wan's like maybe a little smarter than him is not that cool to me. Oh, I just look at it as Yoda just has is more interested in something else. Yeah, maybe I'm being harsh on it. Uh, it's just Yoda, Micah. 
But Yoda's like the best of us, what, you know? What does he call? What is he? Uh, we don't know. That's the thing, right? That's a funny thing and something I do like about extended canon. Uh, everything and everybody has a story, but for some reason, uh, it has never been established what species Yoda and is. And that's why Mandalorian people are like flipping their lids because yep. there's another one. Yeah, because when he showed up, it was like, oh my gosh, there's another one. Okay. I, I think we only knew of two total before him, including Yoda. Oh, okay. And even in like extended stuff, I yeah. think. But uh, yeah, so um, I just have, I wrote this. Look. <laughs> Man, this movie looks so bad. It's crazy. <laughs> then he arrives on Camino. Camino is a cool water planet. I like the alien. Well, what are they? I mean, Caminoians. I think they look cool. I think they look and cool I, too. I think it kind of shows that they spent a lot of time on them because there's a lot of headshots yeah. of them. Yeah. So they they're great. Um I I mean I I like all of this idea. The payoff just doesn't really work for me. Yeah. Especially with all the Sifidia stuff. So I already kind of talked about it. But they're like building this army. It's a clone army, and I know as a kid and even now, well, I mean, no, when I first saw it, it was just like, wait, those are the stormtroopers. This is weird and crazy. Yeah, and it's just, it was, it's cool, too, that they're like, oh, we were so honored to have you here. Yeah. You guys have ordered these things. Haven't we been doing such a good job? Yeah. It's very confusing. And then you you meet um, this guy who they, they're all cloned from. Yeah. And he's Django Fett. And you're like, what? And he's referring to his son as Boba Fett. And you're kind of like, whoa, there's some interesting, weird connection here yeah. that I don't fully understand. Um, I think that all works for me. I'll, yeah. I, I like the clone idea. Well, they, they even, so Django Fett is a bounty hunter because they yeah. said they, they use all of its stems from one bounty from this man who's a bounty hunter. Yeah. Why? Uh, probably just because of like peak physicality or something. Okay. He is, they are modified though, because you'll notice they do look a little different. Their faces. It's like a different actor. There are men and women. There were women. Weren't there? I don't think so. There I were saw some girls. There were kids mm. that were younger. I don't. Know. I don't think there's any women. Uh, hey. Hey, uh, why can't there be? Uh-huh. <laughs> no, it's not one of those things. I just don't think there were. Um, but. Yeah, I, I like all the all of this is interesting and cool. I just think the Sifidia stuff goes nowhere. Yeah, and it definitely could have been something interesting, and it just isn't. Yeah, yeah. I feel like if the if the person was a real character that we knew of, it would make the whole stormtrooper thing less confusing. Because I mean, later in the movie when the whole battle's going down, I am still just like, what is going on? Yeah, it's, we're this late into the movie. You have to like dang. You have to like say something. Yeah, to make me like not be so distracted by what's going on. You know what would have worked a lot better if they go, "Oh, Master Qui Gon, welcome," because we've already seen how he pushes up against the council in the first movie, yeah. and that he makes his own decisions on what he thinks is right, and he's dead. And he's dead. Yeah. And it would be like, wait, Qui-Gon did this? Yeah. It's a little out of character because he seems more peaceable than this. Yeah. But it with a little bit of finagling, that would have been so much more interesting. Yeah. Dang. I keep thinking of better things than this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but he... What? No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to go to the next scene. So. Yeah, so he meets Jango Fett, yeah. like we already said. Um, 
and he's just very confused, Obi-Wan, what is happening here? Yeah. And Jango Fett's, his spidey senses are also tingling. (laughs) And so he says to his son, we're leaving. Right. Uh, But Obi-Wan is talking to uh, Yoda and... Mace Windu. Mace Windu. Yeah. Uh, about what's he's he's reporting all, all what's the happening. crazy things that are happening so confused what's going on and then he, he tries to stop Django fett and boba fett, fett from leaving yeah and they have a battle yeah it's pretty good yeah um it's fun there's to some see. weird lines though from obi-wan that yeah, are supposed yeah. to be funny but i just I they don't, don't work yeah um yeah no i think for the most part it's it's pretty good um, our dog has just wrapped himself up in Jordan's cords and she is moving him because he can't figure out how to get out. And I, I'm not going to cut any of this. Oh, now he's sitting down in a way that it, no, no. he's going to cut off his circulation. No. Come on, Gilmore. You got this, buddy. This is how I'd be if I was a sports commentator. There we go. He's good. He's good. He's safe. Good boy, Gilmore. Good boy. Okay. So that whole sequence is good. For the most part, um, it is fun to see what that armor and and what the what the stuff that we've sort of seen, you know, like Boba Fett. I know he's not Jango Fett, but like we finally get to see what that armor and what the capabilities of that suit are. Oh, okay. That Jango Fett has. Oh, okay. You know the it, rock, the jetpack. But yeah, we just get and to see it in a more and the Batman thing on the arm. Yeah, in in a more interesting way than like just being pushed off into the Sarlacc pit. Okay. Is what okay. I mean. Yeah. 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 I get Again, that. I will stress that I don't think we needed to necessarily resurrect Boba Fett. I don't think he necessarily warranted that. Although I like the show, but it was kind of fun to see that. Yeah. In this, and then they take off, and they go through like an asteroid thing, and then one of the my favorite parts about Star Wars at all is Jango Fett shoots. Um, what are those bombs called? Uh, proto, no, where is it? Seismic charges. Yeah, they sound so cool. They explode and just shoot like a line mm-hmm. out, which looks great. Mm-hmm. And then they do this like, boom. I could listen to that all day. <laughs> oh yeah, and in the theaters, come on, yeah. that was like shake your ass in the oh. seats there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that leads them to geonosis and they're kind of caught up there yep now let's go to our main characters padme Padme and and anakin Anakin. so they are at naboo (laughs) and they go to to italian rivera the italian riviera to hide her it's beautiful her and anakin are looking out at the bay and they share a kiss and i'm haunted by the kiss you should have never given me gosh and it's just like here we go i don't like sand it's coarse it gets everywhere it's so bad so like they start uh basically courting without courting yeah and uh i just cannot i can never believe that they do rolling around in a meadow thing they roll around in a meadow with giant tick cattle yeah, they look them. like That's ticks so... that have been engorged. It's, a, it's a, up there on one of the worst designed yeah. animal characters in any fictional thing I've ever seen. Which is crazy because Star Wars also has some of the best some oh, of the best yeah. you've ever seen. This is like the worst though. Yeah. They're so gross. Like I get kind of sick to myself. You see my that they have little, little tails? Bit. Like little cow tails <laughs> and they like whip them because flies are by <laughs> their butts. 
it's gross. But they they genuinely like if you don't if you've never seen a tick that's full of blood, look it up and they look identical <laughs> to those. Just spare yourself looking that up. Just look up these creatures and should that's I, it. Should I tell an embarrassing story about a tick uh, okay. for the podcast? Because I talked about peeing my pants. Okay. I went to school. And we lived in Eagle Point, and there's a ton of ticks out there, and I would play outside all the time. Oftentimes, I was fighting clones, Yeah, believe it or not. Um, and we're in chapel, because at our school that we went to, we had chapel every Friday. And I was sitting there, and I was, like, itching myself, and I felt like a scab, what I thought. And I was just like, what the heck? And I pulled the scab off, and it hadn't started sucking blood, but it was a tick that was in me. Oh, it hadn't? Do you want to hear an even grosser story about well, a tick? Well, but then? then I then I grabbed it and I, I put it in a thing and I was like, hey, Mrs. Cooper, I know we're not supposed to go to the bathroom, but there was a tick in my neck. Can I please go to the bathroom? <laughs> She's like, okay, yeah. Okay, you want to hear another another gross tick story then? Yeah. With blood? Yeah. Well, actually, so before that though, when I was a kid, I would get ticks too because we lived in the woods. Yeah. And it would often be behind the ear is where they would... For you? Yeah, where oh, we would okay. get them. And I have memories of my grandpa lighting a match, blowing oh, the match out and putting the burnt match on the tick and it will come off. Wow. Yeah. Um, so that's something that's happened to me as a child more than once. And then I have this memory of being at Target. Uh-huh. And I, I think I like found a tick on myself, but I didn't know it was a tick. And I, I don't I feel like I was maybe a kid or something. Okay. And like uh, probably thought it was a scab too, wherever it was. And it like put it on the ground, whatever. And then there was a smear of blood on the ground. Cause I think I like, so I accidentally stepped on it or something. You know, when you're a kid too, I'm like, just quietly walk away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there was a big smear of blood oh. and there, it's just, I'm so scared cause I've had more than one tick in my I'm, life I'm like that I'm just like to... Lyme's disease is just happening at some point in my life. It's just a matter of when it's erupting in my body. It, it is so scary to think about how many ticks I've had as well, a kid. A, another thing, uh, like, so our dogs would get ticks, you know, yeah. we, we'd use frontline stuff, but sometimes they'd still get them yeah, or we'd like miss too. a month or whatever. And there were a couple times that they got like, in like really engorged. Yeah. And I'd pull them out sometimes just with my hands, sometimes with tweezers. Yeah. And then I'd set them on the concrete and I'd take a rock and smash it Ooh. because it's like they're, they're like these weird, like flat creatures. It's kind of hard to kill them. Yeah. Gnarly. So gross. Gnarly. They're so gross. And they don't do anything for the ecosystem, right? Like, <clears throat> like this is why we like possums and spiders and stuff are good because they eat these things. Yeah. I, it's that's kind of like mosquitoes. Like, why are we, why do we have like. I, I, well, something's got to be at the bottom of the food chain. No, I, think I, I know, idea. I know, I know. But it's also just like they've been around for, you know, so long. How come evolution hasn't purged them out? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I, um, yeah, I, uh, so I'm, I, I've been afraid of possums for a large portion of my life. That is a story for another time. Maybe we'll bring that up in Revenge of the Sith as sure. a personal story. I had a run in with a possum and it was f- terrifying. Um, and if I didn't tell it by the time that you hear this episode, please remind me to tell it in whatever episode yeah. we're recording. I also saw a possum the other day, and it was cute. Yeah, near our house, too. Yep. Um, which maybe that's what the dogs were smelling. Maybe, maybe it's been around our yard. Anyway, I've been very scared of them, like phobia scared of them. Like if I'm driving and see them, yeah. I get freaked out. But I found out through our friend Chloe 
that they actually eat like thousands of ticks. And ever since then, even though they're still kind of scary, I'm like, you know what? Respect. Yeah. Like you, you guys are doing, you're doing the Lord's work out there. <laughs> they really are. They yeah. really are. So They're anyway. So creepy and cool. So frolicking with giant ticks. Okay. Um, they roll around well, a they, couple of times. They while, roll around a couple of times. And so, but before that, they're like talking while having a picnic and Anakin's saying something like, I, it, it's just such naive child things, but it's so poorly written like i don't know it's just i i don't i'm not going to a star wars yeah. movie to to get this but like he's saying like <laughs> yeah yeah this salt she she i think it's explaining like no one can agree on this thing that's happening with the whole government thing and like people that just no one can agree and he's like well someone needs to make them agree and she's like well who's gonna do that so he basically is like there needs to be a dictatorship dictatorship so that one person can make a decision for everyone else and no one else gets but a there's say no anymore. nuance to what there's he's no saying. nuance at all and then she's like starts laughing she's like you're joking aren't you you're making fun of me but then it's like no i mean he's serious he wants this and it happens <laughs> yeah and i Ugh, it's gross yeah it's it's and then very later not good. on after the frolicking in the meadow yeah it cuts to them by a fire and it's like ste it's like the sexual tension is thick yeah up in here and they're just talking about how if they if they were to be together yeah it, it, it would destroy both of them right because jedi are apparently celibate and i don't really understand why she can't yeah she's like i'm a, a senator yeah so what <laughs> like you didn't establish that on your planet that like, senators can't fall in love I, I don't i don't know that or maybe it's just the like scandalization That's of probably the uh, scandal being a Jedi. the scandal yeah but um, it's still kind of stupid, but like this, like th none of this can work at all. And then I think that's when he says something uh, being haunted by the kiss. Yeah. She never gave him or something like that. And I wrote, this is the proto Edward. Yeah. But would rather watch Edward. Yes. Because that's what it is, uh, promised you when you watch a twilight movie. Oh, I it's think in the right context. I think twilight one and a couple of the other ones are better than this movie. Yes, I would so much rather watch them. Yeah. I think. They're not as creative or fun, but they are more fun. Right. <laughs> so at some point in this whole romantic part of the movie, Anakin is plagued by these visions of his mother and it like keeps him awake. And there's that scene where he's like meditating and and she comes out and she goes, Um, Anakin, don't don't uh don't mind me, sorry. And he's like, your presence is better than when you're not here. Yeah. And that part is good? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but this leads them to go to Tatooine. Yeah. Because he's afraid of his mother, or afraid that his mother is in trouble. Mm -hmm. And this part of the movie, I think, is really good. I agree. I think it's great character development. Uh, I it, it is It all happens very in a very convoluted way. Yeah. I feel because it's kind of, I mean, but kind of like from the beginning of this trilogy, there are so many problems. Well, wait, what do you think is convoluted? Well, about just this like part? the, that he's like protecting he, like his job as a Jedi and that's it uh -huh. is to protect Padme. Yeah. He should not be, uh, and I know that's kind of part of the thing cause he doesn't listen to authority. Right. But it, it's kind of in a crybaby way. So it just doesn't feel good. Yeah. But like he's, he shouldn't be doing this. Uh huh. 
but it does lead to good character development. But it's also like you're putting the person you're sworn to protect in danger for this selfish reason. I th- yeah, I would. I think that's uh, good yeah. though, because I I think it shows how far he's willing to go for the anger that's in his heart. Yeah, I and- I just think that this this is like the the best representation of that anger. Yeah, of going to figure out his mom's stuff when well, most of the movie it's just been like a baby. Right. I mean this this is the fir- this is like like if I was going to rewrite the prequels and it was going to be about Darth Vader, I would keep this in there. Yeah. Cuz I think it's fantastic. Yeah. And I think this is like the definitely the best scene in this movie, easy. Mm-hmm. And one of the better scenes so far in rewatching this trilogy. Mhm. Um what what I would change are some of the details though with uh, uh well just there there's a lot of things that George Lucas forgot or just didn't care about. Like what? Well, okay, so number well, number one, uh, which is very funny, I, I looked this up uh yesterday because I was editing or this morning, I mean, because I was editing our uh Empire Strikes Back episode. Yeah. And I just looked up did Obi-Wan ever train Yoda? Because in the movies he doesn't. Did Yoda ever train Obi-Wan? Or yes. Yeah. But in Empire Strikes Back, he's like, remember Yoda, I was that way too when you trained me. Yes, yes. And I, I this person on like Quora or something, yeah. just, they summed it up perfectly. They said, there are lots of spackles for the plot hole. Apparently Lucas realized at some point he'd better come up with some Yoda trains everyone thing to cover it. That this means Obi-Wan chose to phrase it in... Mm. a really weird awkward way um so the real answer is lucas had absolutely not thought up qui-gon jinn or the padawan system system or any of that when he and lawrence kasdan wrote the empire strikes back instead of coming up with a less awkward way around that he'd already established he just wrote the prequels as he did and figured no one would remember or care when unfortunately, this is the series can't do anything without people fact checking it. Right, and they they brought up too. Um, it's the same way he forgot Leia's entire conversation with Luke about her slash their mother. George Lucas is not a detailed yeah. person when it comes to stories. Yeah, ain't um, that the truth? Yeah, and so I I really think so. So there's like the Yoda thing, and then in this, so we have the sequence. Anakin goes. To Watto, and Watto has sold Shmi. Great animation. Watto looks great. He looks really good, and they get some expressions that are very real feeling. Watto's kind of a a bonus for the prequels. I like Watto. I'm going to stand on that pillar and say Watto is cool. Yeah. He's interesting, and the way he acts in this movie, kind of seeing Anakin again, is very... It's like he knows he did him wrong, but he's kind of pretending like, remember all those fun times yeah. we had? Yeah. I think it's great. When it's like none of that was okay. Yeah. But then we go to um, Lars, which is the home where Luke Skywalker grows up in with yeah. Aunt Peru and Uncle Owen, and they are cast as younger actors in this movie. That's where we get Joel Edgerton. Now, what I what I think is very silly about this whole thing is I, I don't know when Darth Vader realized he had a son um, because in in episode four, he does say the force is strong with this one when he's at the trench run, but he doesn't specify it's his son and he doesn't know it's his son, I don't think. So he kind of learns at some point between four and five that his son is Luke Skywalker. Yeah. 
So maybe that's your explanation here. But I just think it's it's very convenient that he he meets these people, Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru, and then Obi-Wan's big smart idea to hide the babies of Luke and Leia at the end of three is to give them to two people that Anakin has met and knows where they live. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like he knew that Padme was pregnant, right? I think so, yeah. That's like the next movie. Yeah. And like he knows that she dies in childbirth, right? Yeah, I think so. The, I mean, it's been a while, so I'm not totally clear. And we'll, this will all be cleared up by next episode. Yeah, definitely. But like he knows, let's just say that that's yes. Yeah. So like he knows that he has at least a child. And you would think that. I don't. This is me just reading into it too much, though. I don't. I don't think it's quite fair. Yeah. But like, you'd think he, whether or not he's on the dark side or not, it can be the father or not. He's like gonna keep tabs on what happens to the child, right? Because it's his child. Well, and that's why they hide them at the end of three. Yeah. That's. But But then for him to potential like it, it wouldn't be crazy to me for him to find out where they would hide the child. Right. Be be like if you're because I like I'm the dad and I'm driven. Right. To, to keep tabs on my kid and then to find out that's where they are and it's like hmm familiar <laughs> and and i i suppose yeah like i said i suppose if darth vader doesn't figure out that he has a son or a daughter until episode five well i know he finds out he has a daughter in episode six but in episode five maybe that's when he discovers he has a son maybe he thought they all died in childbirth sure which is fine but it just feels like a lack of oversight on obi-wan I guess okay. it's not technically a plot hole so yeah. far. We'll see it what this next like movie. A little confusing if it, you think about it too much. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, it's it's just kind of a little mind bending. And and mm-hmm. I guess maybe Obi Wan never knew that Anakin went here because went where went to Tatooine and and met these people. He tells them eventually when he meets up with. Does he? Yeah, I, right. Because oh, because they transmit he's from Tatooine. On that one pl- Obi Wan's on that one planet, Geonosis. Yeah, and he gets captured, and that's the Colosseum thing when he is, meets up with them. And Anakin, yeah, they're like, "Why is he on Tatooine?" Something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think one of one of the overlooked problems with the prequels is, I think it kind of doesn't make sense that Darth Vader's also from Tatooine. Yeah. He should have been from a different planet. And then, like, when they g- gave the babies away, yeah, it, maybe he Luke is still related to them, but they're, you know, like, Leia goes Just off with royalty. orphan status, like, doesn't know who these people are. Yeah. But the baby, uh, Harry Potter, well, that's his aunt and uncle. But, like, baby shows up in a basket on their doorstep. That kind of a thing. Yeah. I mean, maybe not literally that kind of thing, but, yeah. like, a different planet. It's a big galaxy. Don't, don't put the... And it's far, far away. Right. <laughs> Don't put the guy you're trying to hide from Darth Vader in the world he grew up in. Who decides to bring the kids there? Obi-Wan. Oh, sorry. And Yoda. I think they both do. Okay. But we'll talk well, about that well, more next I week. Mean, I mean, uh-huh. if Yoda is like our Dumbledore of the series, he's he knows everything that's to come. Uh-huh. And he's like, yes, it sounds crazy, but bring the kids there because down the road, it it will be for... It will be... Uh, it will be the thing that brings Darth Vader back to Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Um, That's a real Dumbledore thing. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, again, it's not technically a plot hole. Yeah. Uh, I, you know what? So far. No one 
uh, we've probably talked about it too much. Well, we're going to talk about it next week, too, because yeah. then we'll know for sure what the yeah. movie posits. Yeah. Um, but what's really weird is they get there. It's funny because I said this is the best scene in the movie, and I haven't said anything good about it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, they get there, and C-3PO is working on the farm. Oh, yeah. And this just further confuses things. It, it just f- further does not make sense to me why C-3PO was made by a boy. The The only thing that can potentially like make sense to me is like, uh, his mom one day bought him this robot kit uh-huh. and it's it says C3PO and the kid does assemble it which is something only an adult can do cuz it's complicated and it's a whatever he's he does again i forget Human translator relations yeah but like and, and there's like 5000 other ones or you know you know like yeah. someone else has one over there or something like that and it's it's not as unique as they make it out to be <laughs> cuz it's like why would a why would these people who live in the desert need a cyborg relation thing? Well, I think in episode four, they, they get it because it can communicate with all the different machines. No, but have. I'm saying in this movie, why would they need well, it? Well, there's still a moisture farm, so it'd be the same reason. Yeah, but they, they live around Jawas. They can't figure out that out by then. I think, I think, unfortunately, you're getting hung up on things that I think are fine, but not the thing that I'm getting hung up on. What are with you him getting working. hung up on? I think it's just silly that C-3PO works on this farm, and then years later, after his memory is wiped, he comes and works on the same oh, farm. Oh, I think that's so silly, too. I, I And R2's there, too. Yeah. And it's it's just kind of... I, I feel like R2 and C-3PO are the heart of the saga in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. uh, of the, the six movies, anyway. And the the only way for it to not make the universe feel small would have been if R2 and C3PO had had an adventure outside of Darth Vader for the prequels and yep. we followed them like we kind of do in the the middle movies but he wanted to do the Darth Vader but he couldn't resist like trying to tie it all together which is something that now everybody whenever they make mm-hmm. any series thing they have to tie every string together mm-hmm. when sometimes it's okay scream 5 for a great explanation for the those things yeah um but yeah it's just kind of like what he works here yeah and i know they get their memory wiped but then after their moisture bath in four he's like yeah we fought in the clone wars it's like okay so i guess Selective they didn't memory get their wipe. memory wiped yeah so anyway when he gets there people who are listening to this who have seen star wars as many times as we have and more are just like we know they're we feeling hate it validated too. they're feeling validated. i hope they feel validated but here's where it gets good yeah he meets lars who is who botched me and married her and did, she wasn't he, he, a slave anymore yes yes and uh he's like the tuscan raiders took her two weeks ago or two, yeah some several or days ago, ago or something month ago and he's like, there's no sense in. And he's in a wheelchair. Looking. He is missing a leg. So yeah, he he's done about everything he can do. Yeah, and then Anakin's like, he hops on this motorbike thing that looks cool, and then they play Duel of the Fates again. Yeah, and he's like, it's this kind of montage where he's flying around Tatooine trying to find this band of Tuscan Raiders. Yeah, then he finds them. He sneaks down, cuts open one of their huts, meets his mother in there. And she's still alive, mm-hmm. and he rescues her, and she's like really beaten up. She looks really bad, mm-hmm. and she's like Annie, Annie. It's as if her seeing him one last time allowed her to die. Yes, it's really sweet. Yeah, and and Hayden's acting in this is great. It is. 
He's so distraught, and then he gets so angry, and then he slaughters the entire village. Yes. And then, I guess if George was to get anything right in this trilogy, this is the moment to get right. Yes. And he did. He did. Yeah. It's, it's great. This is a great moment. Yeah. And it's really impactful. I remember as a kid, so later on when he's back with Padme. Yeah. And he's he's admitting to her what he did. Like he killed everyone, not just the men, but the women and the children. I remember as a kid being like so freaked out by that. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Yeah, he gets he gets dark. I mean, yeah. in the next one, he like kills all the little kids. Yeah, you know, so it's he's not a good guy. Yeah, but redemption comes to him eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, there's redemption for us all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, then he gets back, you know, and he's sad. He buries his mother, and that that little chapter is over. And they get the transmission from Obi Wan, which leads them all to Geonosis. Okay. Um. There is that great scene where he's talking to Padme and he says, I killed all of them, the women, the children. And he says, I hate them. And the way he says, I hate them is really, you know, it's that fulfillment of what Yoda said in Phantom Menace. Fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate. Yeah. Hate leads to suffering. So all of that, I really like. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the strongest part of the movie. Mm -hmm. But then we get to the Colosseum. You know, they're all captured. We can kind of skip to them all captured, right? Well, you're going to miss the whole sequence of the conveyor belts and... Oh, I forgot. Very long sequence. Take it away. There's Well, because it's so visual heavy, it's hard to explain, but they're on conveyor belts fighting for their lives, about to get lava dumped on them or get sliced in half or smashed. It's a fun idea. This feels like a kid, like for kids moment. Yeah. It's very ugly, as all this movie yeah. is. I imagine as a kid, I loved it. Oh, I did too. It's a little confusing that R two is like able to do everything. Yeah, I guess. I guess the best way to imagine it would be that that at some point between three and four, his systems like malfunction, and that's why he can't do as much stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, and C three PO's head gets put on a battle droid, and the battle droid's head gets put on his body. And that, as a kid, huge hit. Yeah. Now it really plays poorly. Yeah. And the whole battle, he's fighting, and his head gets knocked off, and he's saying things like, oh, I'm losing my head. Yeah. Uh, I'm beside myself. Yeah, this is a drag. And it's it's very, you know, grab your collar and pull it and go, ugh, yeah. this is sweaty. But they get captured. And yeah. we're at the Coliseum scene, so it's Padme, Anakin, and Obi-Wan. And then we get uh, blessed with some with three very cool-looking creatures. Yes. That, in a small way, makes the movie worth it. Small. I mean, Just this small. is a, a... I like the the first part of the Coliseum scene with the Me creatures too. a lot. I I love it. And they look good. They look good. Yeah, we have but some some shots with like the actors near them looks real bad. But yeah. also, what else were they gonna do back then? They were literally guessing. Right, they are figuring it out. Uh, there, there's a praying mantis crab spider uh, thing. Yeah, there's a giant monkey uh, cat. Cat like uh, we call it the like a ch- like a alien Cheshire cat. Yeah, uh, and then there's a huge rhino creature. Yeah. And they're all fighting. They do look pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
It's a gladiator sequence. We're in a coliseum. There's all these Geonosian bugs everywhere. Mm-hmm. I like their design. I think they're cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they they talk in a fun language. It's yeah, it's cool. Hey, uh, listener, if any of you are watching these, um, we, so we did not watch four, five, and six on Disney Plus, but we've been watching one, two, and three on Disney Plus. And I remember that the captions for alien languages are built into the movie, but on Disney Plus, it's like a, a black and white, you know, like auto closed captioning pop yeah. up thing. And aren't all the Star Wars movies like they're built in when it's an alien language? Let me know. What's up with that? Um, ooey. Yeah. What's up with that? <laughs> Speaking of ooey, what's up with that? Sam Jackson's in one of those. Yeah, I know. I've seen it. And he shows up at this Coliseum. Oh, yeah. Okay. Great <laughs> um, segue. Thank you very that much. That didn't really need to happen. So. This is when we get. So so everyone comes in. They're they're fighting the monsters, but then stormtroopers. Clones. Clones. Clones show yeah. up. Battle droids show up. Jedis. Super battle droids show up, which are cool. The silver ones. Yeah. Super battle droids. And then Jedi. We get Kit Fisto, who does this awesome, like he does some really cool action fight thing and then he just has the biggest smile on his face yeah, yeah. and i just am like bravo to that actor he's wearing a lot of makeup but he's still shining through it yeah um and then what's i mean this is kind of where it gets confusing and this is the part of the movie that was not storyboarded well yeah the sequence after this the sequence this after this scene. where it becomes like a full-on war so so basically, big fight. They kill those animals. Yeah. Um and um a- oh and Anakin and Padme have uh, pronounced their love for each other. Yeah. Which is kind of nice because it kind of is like the you know if 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 George Lucas wants to say that these movies rhyme, you know their poetry like sure they kind of copy each other. Um, this is the I love you scene at the at the carbonite tank. But okay. it, but but you know Anakin's like I love you too because he's not Han Solo so yeah. I, I I like that yeah. moment um uh but yeah so big fight Count Dooku's there Jango Fett comes in and Mace Windu fights him and chops his head off yes and Boba Fett later grabs his head and looks at it yes and then then they like take off and they're looking for Count Dooku and they're also trying to stop this war this war or something. Yeah, the begun the Clone War has. And this is, we also, uh, you know, because again, I was editing episode five. You said in that episode, like, I I don't remember, Yo- like, Yoda doesn't talk backward as much as I remember. And I said, I think it's the prequels where they really hit that. And this movie especially, like, yeah. everything Yoda says is like, what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a little bit over the top. Yeah. Like, it, I think it's like, 20% too much. Maybe maybe as much as 40% too much. Yeah. But um Yeah, so Palpatine's taken over the Senate because of Oh yeah, the whole of Jar Jar, so giving which him I think we talked about already. power, yeah. Um and then the Jedi so like I said, it, it just would be cool if Count Dooku was not also with the Emperor because I know it makes his whole story kind of yeah, silly. This is kind of what we find out because Count Dooku is going to try and escape. Yeah. Uh, and he before that, he's having like an emergency meeting with his dudes. And one of them like shows a diagram of yeah. the Death Star that is they have the plans to begin working on. Yeah. 
Uh, and that did confuse me. But yeah, yeah, because it is like that. That is basically when we find out in a way that he has been working with Palpatine. Well, because a, a couple scenes later, we find out for sure. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he he has the plans for the Death Star. That's kind of fun. Um. And I I guess we had said this at the beginning. So our tally is episode five, six, two, three, and Rogue One all have Death Stars in them. So in the in the movies that take place in the episodes of one through three, or one through six, there's only three movies that don't have a Death Star. Hmm. Anyway, because also Solo doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I don't know. It's just kind of hard to parse out, and, and it, there's a good... It's the pitch I said earlier. I stand behind that. Um, and I agree with it. But basically then, Obi-Wan and... Um, Anakin fight Count Dooku yeah. in a really washed out, boring location. Oh gosh, this set's so boring. It sucks. They're um, right next to a ship and I can't even quite understand what the ship looks like. Yeah, it's it's not good. And they fight for a while, but Dooku is... Dooku's doing the whole lightning thing. Yeah, and he gets the best of them. And then in walks Yoda. Yeah. By By this time, Anakin's arm has been chopped off. Yeah. And... Obi-Wan has been wounded as well. Yes. And he, Count Dooku has a, a curved lightsaber, which is cool. Uh, you know why part, Count Dooku name, the name also messes me up? Because in Zelda, you have the Deku. Oh, yeah. Trina. And it's, I always, whenever you say Dooku, I feel like you're saying it wrong. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. But yeah, Dooku has the, the curved lightsaber. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. And then Yoda comes in, and he's kind of, like, limping along on his cane. And then he pulls back, like, puts his cane down. And Dooku shoots lightning at him, and he catches it in a uh-huh. lightning ball. And gives it back. That's a cool shot. Yeah. Where he catches it and then throws it back at him. Yeah. And then he starts bouncing around like crazy. And I'm a sucker for it. Mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll admit that it's it's probably not good but i i still like it uh-huh i like it it's but, fun but dooku still gets away yoda has to save anakin and obi-wan right which gives classic villain move yeah it gives him enough time to get away they're still chasing after him no he just no they're he, just waiting to get picked up yeah like padme tries to shoot his ship down with her blaster but that doesn't do any good yeah um i mean worth the effort try if you can oh yeah but he gets away he does his sailboat ship that's right that's right which is cool very cool. And then he gets to the Emperor, and he's like, okay, everything's working according to plan. We're good. The yeah. Clone War's begun. And and I am just internally screaming, yeah. end this movie, please. It's so long. Right. And and then what's crazy is uh, they, ha- they show the wedding. Anakin and Padme are married now. Yes. Okay. And he has a silver hand. Yeah. Stage is set. Cool. Okay. It's a really bad movie, but it's also nuts. It's a movie called Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. And all the clones are CG. I just got to remind yeah, people and, and point out. And they not have great. not aged well. Yeah. It looks like a video game cutscene. It does. But like an old video game cutscene. It does. But a movie called Attack of the Clones should not have the war, the Clone War, begin with 10 minutes left in the movie. I know. Because what's crazy is episode three, there's like 
just a little bit of Clone War action, and then it's all just the Anakin. Well, my kid, this is stuff. why they had to make a whole show about it. Well, yeah, I think I think they had to make a show because there were enough people that were like, you know, this is something that was referenced in Episode Four, and then you have a whole movie called Attack of the Clones. You didn't give us enough of a war. Yeah, that would have been cool. You promised us a war. You promised us a war, and we didn't get it. And what is it good for? What is it good for? <laughs> um. Yeah, so I, I just think that's a messed up move, too. Because at the end of the day, as much as the Camino stuff could work, it could. Why why spend so much time on that if you could have a war happening? I think it's someone who doesn't really know what they're doing. Yeah. And they're they're. I know that this isn't the first draft. There are several drafts of the script, I hope. But, like... It's just, he's just going along like, this makes sense. This will be cool. I have a visual idea for this, but then it's just dragged out. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's a classic what could have been, you know? Yeah. And I think back on the fact that Irvin Kirshner said that he would be up for doing a prequel, but they didn't make them in time. I'm like, dang, I wonder what that could have been. If, yeah. if only George Lucas didn't direct these prequel movies. Yeah. They could have been at least good. Yeah. Because so far, it's two movies that are definitely not good by any stretch of the imagination. But the next movie, we get cool lizards. Yeah, and I I think the next movie does fall under the category of good. Okay. I think it's still not even close to the any of the first three. But I do know that the the opening shot of that movie is crazy. Oh, I don't remember. And it's kind of a fun twist on what we've seen five times. So this is what we have. We have A New Hope. The You're Empire testing yourself back. right now. The Return of the Jedi. Just return, but yeah. Um. Uh. Uh. uh Phantom Menace. Yeah. Attack of the Clones, and next week it will be Revenge of the Sith. That's right. Yeah. I think I'm getting it. You're getting it, and then we're gonna pivot to another series uh, to take a, a little trilogy break, and then we'll be going back in and doing the Disney Star Wars movies after that. Yeah. So this is a fun ride. Yeah. I'm loving it. Um, and Oh, and I should say, folks, I actually had a dream last night that I could use the Force. <laughs> and in the dream, someone I knew was talking to me, and they were kind of like, oh, yeah, if you just, like, practice this sort of thing, very practical stuff they were telling me, you know, you What was can- it? What was practical? I oh, I don't remember the details uh, of it. But, but what if it's true? <laughs> but they they were basically like, oh yeah, the force in the movies doesn't exist. But you know, if you like do this thing, you'll you'll be able to start like moving stuff. You know, like paper or whatever, and then you can move your way that up. That is and, like my superpower that I've always wanted. Yeah, is telekinesis. Yeah. So I hope you have that dream again. And and we glean some information. Yeah. Got to start doing a dream that journal. Part of the brain. Yeah. We only use 10% of our brain. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. That's a fallacy. That's not correct. What was... What was what? what? was I... No, this is... No. The Lost not. City, he mentioned the 10% of the brain, if that's what you're yeah, wondering about. Yeah, that's what it was. Yep. Cool. Uh, thanks for way, listening. Oh, what? Just fun. Yeah. Uh, friend got a tattoo yesterday, and I went with her. Yeah. And uh, the the movie Chappie was playing. Chappie. And I've never seen it. Yeah. And uh, horrendous. Is Dev Patel in that movie? Yes. Okay, because we could not figure out if that was him. He it just is. looks pretty different. Yeah. Um, secondly, he's, he's not quite to his Dev Patelness hot level yet. <laughs> <laughs> but he's cute, geek, computer nerd. <laughs> um, but the 
I did see the part where like some human like died, but they uploaded his consciousness into a robot. Uh huh. Right. Uh, I don't remember. It seemed cool. It and it, the effects were pretty cool. The effects of that movie are crazy. Yeah, I've just never seen longer than like a commercial. It's just a very bad movie. Yeah. And it's it's mostly bad because they hired Diantward, a South African rap band, yeah, to be the stars of the movie, and they can't act. And like, and they took it over. Like, there's there's a part in the movie where, um, where the the girl from Diantward is wearing a shirt that says "I Heart Chappie," or like it has the yeah. robot on it or something, and you're like, "What? That that doesn't but make that, any that, sense." I mean, that production really got away from Bloomquist. I think it did because of them. That's yes, yeah, that sounds right. Because yeah, I think uh, the the guy in Diane Ward they had like a big falling out. Um, that was kind of like didn't didn't sound very good. Yeah. Um. Oh man, it's it's such an awful movie though. Hmm. Hugh Jackman is in it. Well, with the, the tattoo artist haircut. really loves it, so that's why oh, it was it's, on. It's terrible. I do remember Anthony though really liked that movie, and when that's I, what I thought because when I told him yeah. that I didn't like it, he was like, "What are you talking about, dude?" And I was, I was like, "I can't even understand you liking this movie." Yeah, I remember because the person got the tattoo with Lauren. Yeah, her husband Anthony. And, yeah, and I, uh, I said, I, I was like, "Oh, I think Anthony really liked this movie," and she was like, "Oh, he did," and I was like, "Yeah," because I think him and Micah argued about it a <laughs> yep, lot, yep, and yep. she was like, "Oh, I don't, I don't know anything about that." terrible movie fun yeah. end to the podcast yeah Bored uh, yet? <laughs> <laughs> well thanks for listening everybody can't wait to finish off the george Lu- lucius <laughs> the george lucius portion of uh star wars um star wars, star wars. i got i guess i gotta be done thanks everybody bye, bye.